This week's episode of I Was a Teenage Film Snob is not brought to you by a sponsor, like always. It is, however, a collaboration with the upcoming fan film Scream the Fan Favourite. So go ahead and like them on Instagram and check out their Indiegogo page. Welcome to I Was a Teenage Film Snob. I'm James Chalmers, your friendly neighbourhood film snob. And this week, guys, we have a really, uh, really exciting episode. And I know what you're thinking, Nick Owen's back. Nope, I do bring Nick Owen back whenever it's exciting, but this week's really different. Um, so different that I actually have to do a bit of an intro. So uh, what I'll do is I'll tell you a bit about what's coming up, and then we'll bring my very special guests on. So before I introduce this week's guests, I want to talk about the importance of fandom. We're all movie fans here at Film Snob HQ. Obviously, some of us casual, some of us a bit more diehard. But fans are the most important part of the film equation. The general audience will go and see a film uh, or movie once. The fans will visit that theatre again and again and again. And the fans are the ones buying the merch. They're collecting the toys. They wear the T-shirts. They're the ones who go to the midnight screenings and festivals. They'll cosplay as their favourite characters and buy the special edition steelbooks and Blu-rays. Fandom creates change, everyone. Uh, they can turn a box office flop into a cult classic, or they can save a project entirely. Just look at Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, Sam, some fans are happy sitting on the sidelines watching their favourite movies on repeat and talking about them with their friends. Some of them record those conversations and put them on the internet. And then uh, some fans cross the threshold and start making their own movies. Um, and I think some of the best filmmakers started as fans. Just look at people like Kevin Smith, Edgar Wright, Sam Raimi, Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, and even the likes of Steven Spielberg and Wes Craven. So please welcome to the podcast today uh, two fans who have crossed that threshold, and I'm sure they're going to add themselves to that list very, very soon. The talent behind the upcoming fan film, Scream the Fan Favourite. Please welcome the writer-director, Tyler Hansen, and actor-executive producer, Harley Bronwyn. Hi. Hi. That Thanks was a... <laughs> you're very welcome. Thanks for being here. Did you hear that mouthful I had to utter to get you guys introduced? <laughs> oh, my God. I that, loved it. It made me emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We got a little emotional. And then as soon as you started talking about fans and getting their steel books, I was just showing Harley. Virtually <laughs> <laughs> 4K steel book just came in two days ago. <laughs> Ah, oh, nice one. I um, I just had my. I don't have the steelbooks for Scream, but I just had my trilogy Blu-ray delivered two days ago, and I was like, oh, perfect timing. About to speak to these uh, these guys about their fan film. My Scream film has uh come through. I was actually watching the original one last night because it's been a few years, and I was like, I should rewatch it before I talk to these guys. And uh, <laughs> just, and I didn't finish it. Oh, it was so late. <laughs> it was like almost midnight, and I was like, if I if I finish this film, I might be tired for the episode. So I prioritize you guys over over Nev Campbell and Wes Craven. <laughs> oh, thank you. That, that means a, that says a lot because I worship both of them. Absolutely, no, nice one. Um, so excited to have you guys on the show um, and making time. I know it's uh, it's late or late afternoon for you in LA, so very excited to have you here. Um, we're going to do the show as we do normal, but I, as I mentioned, you guys have a, a film coming up. You guys are in crossing the threshold. You're in the midst of a, a crowdfunding campaign at the moment. Tyler, you've written and, and you're going to direct the film. How did it come about? It's so my producing partner, uh, Sean Liang, he, we were in development on another horror film 
And one day he calls me and says, hey, have you ever seen a fan film? And I was like, uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. What's a fan film? And he was like, well, it's, it's a film made by fans. And I was like, okay. And he said, I think we should do one for Scream. And I was like, yeah, I am so. <laughs> and because um, I have, I mean, I have studied this franchise since I was like seven years old. Wow. And jumping at the opportunity to like make my own, I didn't know I could do that. And now that I can, I fully dove in. And within like three days, I had a script written. And uh, now we're in pre production and we start filming in less than a month. And as you already mentioned, we're like crowdfunding because I'm trying to go as big as I can with it, as bloody, as scary, as funny, uh, to really hold true to the franchise. Fantastic. I have been um, keeping up to date with the promos on your Instagram. And um, I think you posted one just the other day, a really funny one where uh, you hadn't quite enough, got enough funding for the blood, which I thought was very good. And that was you in the clip. Is that right, Harley? Yes, that's right. <laughs> very, very enjoyable. Uh, I dug it quite a bit. Um, nice one. And Harley, how did you get involved in the, in the project? Well, Tyler and I have been friends for the past couple of years. We met in acting class and we bonded over our love of horror films. We have a group chat with a couple other friends and we, we go see every horror film that comes out. Like we have the AMC Stubbs A-list and doesn't matter how good it looks. We are in the theater watching the latest horror movies. So of course we also have, you know, watched almost every classic horror film together. We've gone back and watched like all the Conjurings and Tyler loving Scream as much as he did was like, okay, we're gonna rewatch the series from the top. I think we had a friend who had never seen them before. Um, and I don't think I had seen Scream three or four. So he's like, okay, we're gonna watch it together. And then watching it with him is like having an encyclopedia of Scream. <laughs> Time. I so do, yeah, <laughs> I preface any time that because I within my friend group I host um, marathons of the franchise like a lot. I it's okay. <laughs> and so I always preface by saying I'm going to tell you right now I'm going to like spitball a shit ton. Can I cuss? Yeah, say what so you can say what you like. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to spitball a shit ton of like fun facts at you, yep. and if it's annoying. Sorry, uh, I can't. I can't hold my geek back, and I will tell you, it is my pet peeve when people say, "Can we watch with subtitles?" Because okay, wow. I know every word of all of the movies, and it's not as impressive when they show up on the screen. Uh, Fair enough. I am. I'm very much like that. Like, I think I annoy my wife quite a bit. I'm like. Uh, you know, if we're watching a Marvel thing or something, I'm like, oh, that yeah. person was, you know, or, if, or if watching that's not a Marvel thing, I'm like, that person was, you know, was in Daredevil. And things like that. She's like, all right, sure. Yeah. I'll leave you. I Harley's done a couple of my movie marathons mm -hmm. for Scream. Yeah, I, I think I've watched them all the way through maybe four or five times with you now. Wow. Yeah. And I learn more each time. <laughs> I also, I'm very forgetful. So I think the first two times I kept being like, wait, who, who's the killer? <laughs> <laughs> the way of watching movies with me is I forget what happens. And then it's like the first time all over again. And it's just as exciting. I mean, if that was a superpower, I'd take it. Like there are certain films, you know, if I could watch, if I could watch Clerks for the first time all over again, I'd be like, oh my God, I get to rediscover this film. Um, so many <laughs> films like that. Um, 
So no, I don't think that's a bad thing at all to forget it, and then you can re-enjoy it from the beginning. Um, yeah. Well, clearly, Tyler, you're a fan of of the slasher genre. Is it just Scream, or do you go beyond uh, Scream? You, know, you mentioned you've been watching a lot of horror. Well, you guys are always seeing horror films. What's the latest thing you guys have been watching? Um, last... Aside from Scream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just saw Smile. Yeah. Um, which I really, really love. Same. Um, I just finished rewatching the Halloween franchise. Nice. Well, I, thought, uh, I still have to, I have to watch Halloween Kills. I loved Halloween 2018. I, Halloween Kills, I mean, I'm going to watch it again, but I'm not as thrilled. Uh, <laughs> I have a theory on Halloween Kills. Do you want to hear my theory? Yes. Halloween Kills is not a horror film. That's my theory. I was watching it and I really enjoyed it, but it's not a horror film. But my theory is ha- Halloween Kills is a drama all about trauma. And it's all about the f- it's all about what happens after the monster is dead or what happens the next day. Um, and so it's not really built with scares. It is the most violent of the ho- Halloween films, I think. It's very it's violent. <laughs> but in terms of horror, I think it's really more about that kind of emotional trauma and how do we get over it and there's that really wonderful scene and i'm going to really geek out here listeners of the show will know this but i cry and everything that scene where they're in like the hospital and they're saying evil dies tonight got me teary i was like oh my goodness this is so beautiful but not a horror film (laughs) that's fair i'm I'm curious about halloween ends like i'm gonna go see it next week but um i mean i love like I love the Halloween movies. I love the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films. I mean, mostly just the first one. The rest, New Nightmare was enjoyable. Um, but the movie that actually got me into the genre was I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, what a great film. I love that movie so, so, so much. It, so it filmed where I grew up. Like oh, in, wow. Yeah, and I was five when it filmed. <laughs> And it's like this small North Carolina coastal town where nothing really happens. And so the fact that there was like, you know, a Hollywood movie being filmed kind of became talk of the town. And I'd already known I wanted to be an actor at that point. And so I latched onto it. And uh, when it came to theaters, I like begged my parents to take me, but they would not take me. To be uh, fair, you were a child. so <laughs> I know, I know. I was, came I was thinking, my- so that's a good parent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But I outsmarted them because when it came to Blockbuster, um, so I'm an only child. And I actually attribute that to like my love of cinema because I just watched movies all the time by myself. Um, but every Friday, my mom would pick me up from school and take me to Blockbuster to rent movies for the weekend. And I had this bright idea to take the VHS behind I Know What You Did Last Summer and put it behind a Disney movie. That's and genius. Walked down the aisle with my mom and like handed it to her. And you know, she was over 18, so she wasn't going to get carded. So she rented it for me unknowingly. I took it to my room as soon as I got home and I watched it. <laughs> and that's how I ended up watching every horror movie that my little town had. And that's how I saw Scream for the first time. That's great. I mean, when in Australia, it was a little different. I, I worked in a couple of video stores, that were, that were my first jobs. Um, but our. Um, we do it a little bit differently over here. So the VHS tapes weren't on the shelf. They were in like a room behind the counter. So it was just an empty clamshell anyway. So we couldn't get around that. Um, but that's a genius idea. Um, and I know what you did last summer. It feels like a franchise ripe for remaking. Like why haven't they rebooted that one yet? Well, I mean, you know, they did a TV series of it last year, right? Yes, I did hear about that. I am a little bit behind in the news. I'm a, I'm a new parent. I've got a two-year-old. So like the last oh. couple of years have been 
Uh, but that, between that and COVID, I've gotten to the movies like less than 10 times in a few years, which is a bit disappointing. Um, and like just falling behind on everything. So I try and watch where I can. But I did know they did a TV show. How is it? Um, uh, okay, cool. So moving on. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, they, they were going to try and re, like, reinvigorate the franchise. Um, like in 2016, I think Sony had put uh, a remake in development that ended up going nowhere. And not long after that, they decided to do it as a TV show because, you know, you, you turn everything into a TV show now. Yeah. And it just, it, it's Gen Z's I Know What You Did Last Summer. Sure. Okay. So, if you love the original, I mean, you're obviously going to find flaws with this one, but I mean, it did get canceled after one season. So I'm not alone in my feelings, <laughs> at least. Hey, you're talking to a diehard Friday the 13th fan. They haven't done anything with my boy Jason for 15 years almost. So I'll, I'll take anything at this point. <laughs> a little, there's some like speculation that there's a new one coming out within the next like year or two. Oh, good. Good, because I I liked the reboot. I'm um, I'm pretty pretty forgiving um, of movies. When I was younger, I was you know hence the name of the podcast. I was pretty snobby and, and picky. But these days, I'll you know I'll try and find something good in everything. And I like that that remake quite a bit. I just um want more of him. You know, yeah. my boy Jason. He hasn't done anything in a while. I wrote a spec script like a decade ago. I'm like, this is where they should go next. Um, and then put it in the closet with every other script I've written because I was like, oh, yes. Go oh make your film. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of um, Never Hike Alone, the Jason fan films? No, no. They, um, they're crowdfunding for, I think, the sequel right now. There's this filmmaker, his name's uh, Vincente DeSanti. Uh, okay. I don't know if that's right. But uh, I, he made a very successful Jason fan film. Oh, uh, great. Okay. His like his campaign for the sequel is like through the roof. Yeah. Wow. Like, people will want it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not promote anyone else's campaigns <laughs> on here. Let's get all the money to you guys. I know you've got a goal for the end of this weekend. It's already close. Yeah. It's already close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vincent, who anyway? <laughs> um, you guys have a, a big event happening at the end of the week. If you hit your goal of eight thousand, I believe everyone's uh, going to be assaulted with various foods. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. We, we ended up on pie. I ran a poll on my Instagram and, you know, gave a couple of options. Uh, there was the pie, there was ice bucket over our heads. Uh, there was eating a tomato for me, which, um, people who know me know is my absolute worst nightmare because I hate tomatoes with a dear passion. <laughs> I, uh, I can, I'll meet you there. I'm also not a tomato fan. So, uh, <laughs> thank oh, you. Wow. Them. My I people, just, like, bite my people. <laughs> I'm all about the winter veg. You give me like a pumpkin, like some some broccoli, some carrots, potatoes. I'm all there. I am right there with you. <laughs> yeah, people. So we have eight cast members who have uh, volunteered to be pied if we hit 8K by Sunday evening. So we're really, uh, you know, willing to take one for the team. I, one of our cast members, he's like spaghetti, wine, whatever. Just put it on my head. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I saw that this morning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nice one. Um, well, let's go back a little bit. Um, the, the, the project sounds amazing, and we'll definitely talk more about it before we wrap up today. But I want to know more about the two of you. Um, Harley, I might start with you now. We just had a bit of a chat with Tyler. Um, the love of film begins somewhere. Where, where does it begin for you, and what is it about film that um, has turned you into such a fan? Yeah, um, I feel like growing up, I just had a lot of time alone at home. I watched a lot of movies, similarly to Tyler. 
Um, but my family, I also come from a family of artists. My grandfather is an opera singer and my mom oh, wow. was an actress and a singer. And so the arts were just something that were, it was always infused in my life. And um, I was also just a very dramatic child. So my <laughs> parents signed me up for theater quite young. Um, and I remember one of the first plays I ever did was called Fairytale Courtroom. And I played the, you know, boisterous comedic relief and I got that first laugh and I was like, I'm addicted. <laughs> I more. Um, and yeah, I, I was the oldest too. So after my brothers went to bed, my parents would let me stay up and watch films with them. Nice. And I, I feel like I really, I just was in love. I, I was in love with the whole experience. I was in love with um, watching people experience like the most joyous times of their life and also like the hardest times of their life and getting to like experience that through them. And um, yeah, I, I mean, with horror in particular, my, my parents took me to go see Signs when I was, when it first came out in theaters and I was, I think 10 or 11. Uh, and I had nightmares for six months. Wow. <laughs> was absolutely hooked like I I couldn't believe that watching something could stick with me so much and I thought about it all the time um and it's obviously started as like terror but it grew into this fascination and curiosity and um I was like I want to I want to do that I want to make stuff that sticks with people that like when they're going to bed at night it's all they can think about um so that really got me stuck on horror but it's, yeah. it's addictive, that feeling. I was talking about it last week. Um, we were doing movies that scare you most, and I talked about the first one that really got me was Final Destination. Um, and it wasn't like most of the kills are pretty wacky in there, especially as the franchise goes on. But that first one where he gets hung over the bathtub, like, sat with me. <laughs> I'm still scared to drive behind log trucks. Like, oh, I think the world is. Anyone who's seen that movie yeah. knows to avoid no, getting, over. Yeah. getting over. Not going to do that. Not going to mess with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and were you a video store kid as well? Like that's That was where you got most of your yeah. entertainment? Yeah. Yeah. So my, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather growing up and he, our like tradition was to go to Burger King and then to Blockbuster. Oh, I love and, that. <laughs> yeah, it was a great afternoon. We'd get chocolate shakes and fries and then go to Blockbuster, pick out a, a movie and then head home. And unfortunately, a lot of the times I had to pick movies that were, uh, you know, appropriate for my younger brother's. Uh, but that also gave me an appreciation for, like, I, I'm now a huge Marvel fan and a huge DC fan because I spent a lot of time watching superhero movies. Um, so I don't hate that fact. I, I think it was, it opened my eyes to things that maybe I wouldn't have watched otherwise. Yeah, but, sure. I um, yeah. I, I love the fact that you like chocolate shakes and fries. Like, that sounds like the perfect existence for me. Chocolate shakes, yeah. fries, horror movies, done. That's a perfect night for me. Um <laughs> in the chocolate shake too oh, see you're speaking this is the universal language we're a world apart but <laughs> i can appreciate that um and i i understand the the not wanting to watch the more child appropriate films i think we all go through that phase when you especially when you're a teenager when you're a teenager disney is the worst thing someone can recommend for you um, yeah. but uh, and then yeah i'm too cool for princesses like where's the where's the blood and guts <laughs> Yeah, nice one. And now, Tyler, you mentioned obviously Blockbuster being an instrumental part of your growing up, but is that where it begins for you or is there, what is it that ignites that passion for film for you? I wish I had like a clear answer. Um, 
it's it's so interesting because I mean I just remember being obsessed with movies and wanting to be an actor my entire life. Like my mom uh, says that I well, I was maybe like three years old and had just like actually sat and watched my first movie and was just like I want to do that. Wow. And I just, like, never changed. And um, I I remember at five years old like begging my mom to move me to L.A. And <laughs> just like being like the angsty like teen being like. I'm going to get out of this small town eventually. <laughs> but I don't know. It's so, it's so weird because there are no like artistic people in my family. I have like a fifth cousin who is a costume designer who has like an amazing singing voice. But like, other than that, everyone just like hunts and fishes. And <laughs> I was the like kid who was like, but can we watch a movie? And, uh, <laughs> There, there was like nothing in particular that I can like pinpoint as the reason. It just like, it just always was what it is. Uh, but that's very. You can do the Chris Pratt thing, isn't he? Big on hunting and also, you know, he's he's Star Lord and he's in he's Mario now and all these things. So you can you can do that. Uh, I had a similar experience growing up. My my, my parents weren't particularly artsy. Um, I had some people who, uh, strangely enough, I had some family who were also into costume and things like that. Um, but we're a very sport-driven nation down here in Australia. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. We definitely scream it loud enough, so you probably are. Yeah. Uh, but it was never been my jam. Like, I played soccer as a kid, but never really did much beyond that. Um, but I was, I was like, oh, you know, yeah, we could watch everyone go for that ball, but, you know, we could watch a movie. Like, five <laughs> weeklies for $7. Like, isn't that, you know, that's cheaper than going to the football. So <laughs> I definitely relate to that. Um, excellent but you guys are doing it now like you're in LA you're in the middle of a campaign you, yeah. you're in pre-production in less than a month you're going to start working and your dream's going to come true which is awesome it is yeah. it is very exciting I think when you first move to LA I mean there's there's such an idea of what it's going to be like and and there's so many avenues to be successful and and honestly moving here like what the definition of success has changed for me multiple times. Um, it used to be just, you know, booking, being successful in these like A-list movies, whatever, but making something that we love and that we're passionate about and that we're pouring our heart into, like that is the dream. And we're, we're just so excited to be working together, like collaborating with people that we love, our friends, you know, yeah. we also like through acting class and working on other films, like you just meet so many talented filmmakers. So, so many yeah. talented filmmakers and to get an opportunity to collaborate with them is it's freaking awesome. That's yeah. great. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree like the A-list thing. I think we've all done it. I don't think there's anyone on this planet who hasn't at one point other been like, Oh, I want to, I want to be Brad Pitt. I want to be center stage. But I mean, I like Brad Pitt, but you know how I like more Bill Mosley, Michael Berryman, like all those character actors who are doing cool roles and just show up in all my favorite, like, right. B-grade, you know, indie films. Like, that's, you know, I talked about Kevin Smith before. If you guys haven't noticed, but I'm a huge uh, fan of Clerks and, and Kevin Smith and all his stuff. Like, he's not front and center, but at the same time, like, he's making, he's got the career that he wants. Like, I think that's, if you're going to pursue it, pursue the career that you want, not what, I guess, other people's definition of success is. And you know what? Kevin Smith got to be in a screen movie. Yeah. Well, that was the first screen movie I watched and it was because he was in it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That, like, uh, second cameo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I saw yeah, I mean, Well, let's... Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, like, the, the, I found, like, being in L.A. more 
uh, well, I'm coming up on like eight years and my definition has also changed. And like the people whose work I find myself more drawn to now, it's like the Duplass brothers. Like Mark yes. Duplass is, he's kind of my idol in a way. And he does everything. I mean, he writes, he directs, he acts, he does the music. He, he's just so immersed in the entire process and also radio silence. Um, the guys doing the new screen franchise, like, I've been fans of theirs since Ready or Not came out. And like, I went back and watched everything dating back to the, like their YouTube videos, which is wow. what got them uh, into VHS, which got them into Sundance, which got them their first studio film, which now they're doing Scream. Like, yeah. there's just, there's so many like avenues that you can take. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like this, like the whole, like creating your own work, it's hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but it, I find the more passionate you are about it, the more people like come to you and they're like, I want to help you because mm -hmm. I, I like, I like the passion that I'm seeing. Yeah. And community grows and it's all about who, you know, yeah. and yeah. And I think, I think what you guys are doing is great, which is you're finding that niche. Like, yes, Scream is a global franchise and people are familiar with it. But it's still not everyone's cup of tea. And going into just being like, this is my niche, this is where I'm going. You mentioned the, uh, Mark Duplass before. He's been in two of my favorite films of all time. Um, Creep, obviously, is a wonderfully, <laughs> wonderfully weird movie. Um, and Safety Not Guaranteed, which is a completely different film altogether, but again, a wonderful um, independent film. Um, I don't think anyone succeeds if they're trying to get the mass audience you know not every, you're never going to please everyone so you're better off finding your niche sticking to it and then you know the fans will find it um that's what i've done here like as i said this is not a wildly successful podcast although after today um we might see some numbers go because i've got some some absolute a-listers on um <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day i was like i just want to talk about movies with fun and interesting people and if i get to do that once a week then that's success to me like yeah. you know i love that and because of that, like, I hope this podcast blows up. Truly. Well, uh, we'll be walking the red carpet in no time, guys. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> we'll get an autograph from you next time you're in LA. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, I'm really curious to hear your lists. Um, that's what we do on the show. It's not that inventive, but um, everyone has a different uh, number of favorite films. We're focusing on horror being October and, and Halloween approaching, of course, fan film as well. Um, we might jump back to you, Tyler. Uh, We'll start with your, so we'll go, we'll just go back and forth, five, four, three, two, one. Um, what's the first film on your list that you want to talk about? Okay, I'm going to cheat with my first one um, and say it's tied. That's fine. <laughs> There's no rules. No rules here. Okay. Oh, that's, I love that because that's like, well, we'll get into yeah. that later. <laughs> um, um, Halloween 1978. Yeah, I Fantastic. mean, it's, it's such like a, um, such a defining moment in the genre and i it's like the music it's like everything about it to this day i still watch it and still get goosebumps and still like i get why it was so monumental when it came out um and it's pretty much a perfect film have you watched the sorry i'm getting on like a slight tangent no that's fine uh the movies that made us on netflix no um I, I have i've seen a couple of them but i haven't seen the halloween episode yet no i highly suggest you and anyone listening to this go watch it it's okay. great um and then the one i'm gonna tie that with is midsommar um i i heard you talk about it on uh on the last episode yep and 
it's it's just it's so good it's so creepy it's all done at day like yeah. daylight also it has my queen Florence Pugh, Florence Pugh. She's, I, she's brilliant in it I guess I think she's her. like our generation's Meryl, Meryl. she is yes uh, yes yes I'm, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down she can do no wrong. Oh, love her so much. So my Midsummer, number five. Midsummer is, first of all, it's beautiful. Um, yes. And the fact that it didn't get a nod for anything is, I mean, I'm, I know awards are arbitrary and stuff like that, but that film, like there's so much love into that. The first time I watched it, I wasn't a parent. The second time I watched it, I was. And so that opening scene, I was just like, oh, let's, my oh. oh my God, I can't even imagine. I was like, can we put a deadbolt on the kid's door? I know she's two, but like, let's. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's gorgeous. And it's not boring. Like, it's a three hour movie. The only way you can get it now is the three hour cut. And um, I was like, oh, that might be a tough rewatch after the first few, but it's not. Like, it's I, so well paced, it's so visually interesting. Um, I saw it. I saw it uh, opening night, and then I went back the very next day and watched it again. Yeah, less uh, than twenty four hours later, I went back and watched it for a second time. That movie um, is in my top five favorite films of all time. Now, obviously, as film fans, that list is arbitrary and changes pretty regularly. Yeah. For a film that new to jump to the, my top five, like everything else is at least 15, 20 years old, but that one just skyrocketed. It's so well executed. Like Ariasta, obviously. Um, has such an eye for detail and it looks such an eye for character. Um, I mean, Hereditary, I never need to see again because that's terrifying. <laughs> but Midsommar, <laughs> like, oof, that, that Hereditary, like, that is a bleak film. <laughs> but Midsummer somehow, somehow, I feel like there's a, a bit of hope at the end of it. And I don't know whether maybe I'm watching it wrong, but by the end of it, I'm like, no, no, she got what she needed. She's empowered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny you say that though, because Hereditary is on my top five. <laughs> I feel like that because I mean, my top five is really based off of it's movies that stuck with me. It's yep. my top five horror films are what gave me nightmares for the longest period of time. That's well, and I, that's that's <laughs> the way I approach the question. Uh, you know, like, and there's no wrong approach to the question. Like, it, you can just list your five favorite, but that's what I did. So I, I'm sure when people look at my list from last week, they'll be like, ah. Oh, Final Destination's on there. I'm like, yeah, but I was 12. And, you know, that is, I couldn't tell the difference between horror and comedy at that point. Um, and, and, you know, like the Descent is on, on that list as well and, and Hereditary and Sinister and... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, love Midsummer. Halloween, we kind of glossed over. Um, just a perfect film. I mean, the, the score, that score, with the exception of maybe, you know, John Williams is score from Jaws is there something more iconic than just those piano keys it's so beautiful and the way it builds and it's brilliant like so brilliant and and you know John Carpenter I mean he did so much on that film he co-wrote directed music produced I mean that was like a shoestring budget too it was so 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 tight and he made a masterpiece with it which is so inspirational and just like I think speaks so much to his talent. And it's such an iconic film and such an influential film that they keep changing canon because they're not satisfied with the way they sequelized. <laughs> you know, they did like Halloween 2 and then they're like, actually, we're going to jump forward and do this. And then they try to reboot in the early 2000s and now there's the new canon, like which ignores everything except for the first one. Like there's so much um, love for that movie that people keep trying to respect it in different ways, <laughs> um, yeah. which isn't a bad thing, you know? It's not a bad thing. And I think that speech like tenfold to the original yes because of how good it is 
Um, I will say like my, my like storylines of the Halloween franchise that I like, I love the original Halloween too. Um, yep. That's also like a favorite of mine. I loved Halloween H2O. I saw it when I was a kid. I just rewatched it a couple of weeks ago for the first time in like 10 years. And um, my like scream geek self. So there, can I, uh, okay. I just got to say this. Do it, do it. Um, so scream was inspired by like Kevin's love of Halloween. And in the opening scene um, after Casey Becker's death, her dad says to her mom, get in the car, drive down to the McKenzie's, which, which is what is... Road says to the kids, like run down to the McKenzie's. After yeah. So Halloween H2O, Kevin Williamson is credited as a co-producer and he did a rewrite of that script. He's not credited with writing it, but towards the end, Jamie Lee Curtis has her son and his girlfriend in the car. She gets out, decides to stay on campus and says, get in the car, drive down to the Beckers, which is Casey Becker. And I just like my mind was just like, ah, <laughs> I just look for those like little inside things. That's, but, uh, that's great. <laughs> that one retconned, um, you know, obviously three is in its own universe, but like four five and six. And then I really loved 2018. We know I didn't love Halloween kills, but I have hope for Halloween ends. Um, but yeah, you can't, you can't mess with the original, though. I, um, I told you I was rewatching Scream last night, and I hadn't watched it in a couple of years. And the last time I watched it, and this will probably put a dagger in your heart, so I apologize. I was oh, just no. kind of like, oh, oh, this is, you know, this is fine. It's a bit cheesy. It's, you know, when I watched it for the first time, I was like, oh, I came to this too late. I'd seen the scary movie films first, so so much oh, of it was spoiled. But I was watching it last night, and that opening scene with Drew Barrymore is chilling. It's, it's really, really scary. <laughs> it's it's brilliant. I, yeah. It's one of my favorite, like, 12 minutes of cinema ever. And I don't know whether it's because, uh, you know, I don't know if I mentioned it already, but I'm a parent. Um, but I know whether, like, that was part of it. But just the parents discovering their daughter. I was like, Jesus I, Christ. <laughs> yeah. Just as, as a woman, like, the amount of times that I've been home alone, I live alone. I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> She's well, got two attack dogs. I have two though. attack dogs. Big dogs. Big monstrous dogs. Uh, but, yeah, like, that idea of just being home alone, someone calling you, being able to see you, you can't see them. Like it's, it's terrifying. It really, really, it, it hits on that idea of like feeling completely powerless and out of control. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to connect it back to Tyler's other film, Midsummer, that must've been a refreshing twist. We're like, Oh, the boys can be victims for once. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. It's a a female empowerment film and uh, girl power all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Girls get it done as we learned from the boys. Um, <laughs> where do you stand? I know we, we've been hanging on these two for a little bit. We're talking about Halloween. Where do you stand on the Rob Zombie films? Um, <laughs> okay. Thing. I, I have respect when people think that they have an interesting take on something so original and are bold enough to go for it. That's a really complicated burn on Rob Zombie right there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't like them. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't like them. Yeah. I um, The first one's brutal. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, this is terrifying. And I would have been 15, 16 years old, maybe a little bit older. But 
when I watched it the last time, I'm like, oh, this is a really mean-spirited film. <laughs> this is like, this is really yeah. like this. It's very hate-driven, which is not what Halloween is. Um, the second one, once he takes his mask off and starts making noises, I'm kind of like, ah, I, I'm let, you know, like, look, props for giving it a go. And, I, you know, there's some things in that film I do like. I do like that it's more atmospheric and it is, you know, kind of a bit more, um, it abandons the slasher format and tries to do some, some really kind of unusual things, a lot like, Lords of Salem, in a way, it kind of feels like there's a bit of a connection between those two films. But yeah, I do agree that like it is a, it's not really a Halloween film. Yeah. Um, all righty, no worries. Um, Harley, what's the first film on your list now that Tyler and I are done talking for 20 minutes on those two? <laughs> this is number five, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I wrote them down, and I have been editing this list because I. Just can't make up my mind. Oh, it's but, an unfair um, question. Uh, the format is very cruel, so don't worry. I'm just like, wow, there's so many. <laughs> um, okay, so my, my number five is actually, it's kind of random, but um, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Okay. With Laura Linney. It came out, I honestly, like, I saw a lot of these movies as a teenager, and I, they just, like, that one in particular, um, when Emily Rose is upside down backwards her back's all bent like that image just I couldn't get it out of my head for every night when I would go to bed I would just picture that just the haunting of you know her trying to start a life going to college and just like continuously I don't know exorcism movies really get me um I, I still haven't watched it that trailer terrified me like it's one of those ones where I, I just haven't got around to it yet um is it Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter she plays yes. Emily Rose yeah yes. yeah she does and she's so bendy. She's so bendy. <laughs> <laughs> she, I was like, this woman is actually possessed. Uh, yeah. Her body can do, but yeah, she, she's such a talented actress and like, she really, her like portrayal of fear is so beautiful to me. <laughs> yep. It's like a thing to say, but I, I loved it so much. Um, and I, I just, I thought it was like very powerful female characters and yeah, it, it just, it scared the shit out of me and I, I loved it. I loved, I loved being terrified. <laughs> I think a part of it is because like, I haven't, I'm not a very, I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself a religious person, but I, I haven't really decided whether or not I believe in, in ghosts. <laughs> um, Cause sometimes I'm like, no, I don't believe in ghosts. But then other times I'm like, but they're in my apartment right now. <laughs> <laughs> I- yeah, I've I've had that feeling as well, where I'm like 99% of the time like, nah, there's no ghosts. And then you know, I watched last night in Soho, and my daughter woke up, and I saw faces in the room. I'm like, okay, well maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Edgar Wright, for making the scariest film I've seen in a while. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I, yeah, like my youngest brother, when I, you know, we had moved into a house in a small town, and he was like convinced he was seeing uh, a little boy down in the basement, and he was he was like four years old he had no reason to make that up like he I don't know I was like you don't have the context to make that up uh so yeah I was like my entire life I've gone back and forth of whether or not I believe in ghosts and all those types of things it's um similarly like paranormal activity the first time I saw that I was like this could happen (laughs) (laughs) there'd be so much because I'm like yes it's a movie but also am I going to be possessed by a demon I don't know. Maybe. It, look, it's definitely a question worth mulling over. And, and you know, I think we should all take a, t- a moment after this episode and just question whether we are going to be possessed and what do we do? 
<laughs> if it does happen. We need our anti-possession emergency kit ready to go, your go bag for possessions. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, we haven't talked about exorcism movies on the show before. Um, we haven't really talked, talked a lot of horror uh, until recently because most of my guests um, don't really dig the genre. I tried to bring some horror in when we did our 80s chats and I talked about The Fly and I talked about um, oh my God. A, 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 and Toxic Avenger and things like that. Um, but uh, exorcisms have not been mentioned, so I don't want to spoil your list. If there's other exorcism films on your list, we won't talk about them. But what are some other go-tos for you if they're not, that aren't on your list? Um, well, okay, that aren't on my list. Interesting. I mean, The Exorcist was, I, I, that was also a film I saw probably too young uh, <laughs> and was also told that the set was, like there, there was, you know, weird things happening on set. And so like the combination of, seeing it as a child and then knowing that real things were happening I was like okay so the the line between reality and fiction is very blurry to me <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a, it's such a classic and I thought like the practical effects were for the time like chilling and brilliant and um yeah I mean it really set the tone for me in a lot it, of ways that that film still works I watched it only a few years ago and it it holds up and I forgot how nasty it is. You know, for a film made in the 70s, you're like, oh, this is, you know, this would be pretty tame because they didn't, you know, they weren't pushing the envelope the way we are these days to try and get people to watch it. But like, I remember my dad told me he watched that. And after I saw like that crucifix scene, I'm like, you watch this movie? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I rewatched it during the pandemic and was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm still uh, still spooked. Still and. And even the makeup, you know, when Satan, you know, rears his ugly head, I was like, this is surprisingly effective. Like, I was watching it at like two in the morning, you know, rocking my daughter to sleep. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, she's seen all the classics. You know, she was an infant, but she, you know, her first film was Logan. So I've been, I, a, ba I've been a bad dad from day one. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, nice one. And, and with, sorry, just because we're talking about Exorcist, the other film I think of with The Exorcist, even though it's not, exactly the same subgenre. Um, Rosemary's Baby is another one where I'm like, how did oh, this, yeah. how did they get away with this in the 60s? And then you remember it's Polanski and like, well, that, that's how they got away with it. But <laughs> it's a really intense film for its time period. I can't believe that. Like, It is, it's funny. We just, over the summer, we watched uh, The Birds. And what a that, great it's, film. It's always, it's fun to watch films that were, because obviously now in the context of like CGI and practical, like it, the effects are so different. And so you're like, wow, okay. Like the, the scares came easier then a little bit. And so like, I think when you have a film like Rosemary's Baby or, or The Exorcist that still are actually scary yeah. after all this time, not that The Birds isn't, you know, still a great film, but I was like, people were scared of this? Oh. I know. Okay. I know. Well, I I <laughs> laugh at it. It's a, yeah, it's, like, it's than... a comedy. <laughs> well, I also think The Simpsons really ruined that film, you know? <laughs> like they. <laughs> uh, nice one. Uh, excellent. So, Tyler, we'll go, we'll go to four. Four. Okay. Um, uh, and I will, I'm jumping on what Harley said. Like, my list are like impactful horror movies, not necessarily <laughs> like my all-time favorite cinema noir. <laughs> uh, I will say one of the first horror movies that like got me was one of the ones that I snuck when I was a kid and it was Blair Witch Project. 
Mm. Um, because I couldn't, you know, they, they make you believe that it's real. Mm-hmm. And as a seven-year-old watching that movie, and I'm also sneaking these movies, so I can't, <laughs> like, go to my mom and be like, is this real? <laughs> <laughs> so that one, that one got me. Then I think it uh, paid that would that paved way for like found footage horror, yeah, uh, in a way. And to this day, it's still so scary. None of the sequels have gotten me um, because I feel like for such an impactful movie like that, it's kind of like the first paranormal movie. Like some of the sequels are fine. Like I think Paranormal Activity Two is pretty decent. It's a pretty good follow up, but it's it's the original in those franchises that it's like you kind of already made your mark and you can't exceed what you've already done. Mm. Um, but Blair Witch, man, I still can like feel that in the pit of my stomach when I first saw it. So what is it about Blair Witch for you? Because I, I'll be honest, like it's a bit slow for me. Like the isolation of it is terrifying. And I talked about this last week as well. Like I, I think the, the things that I relate to in horror, the things that scare me the most are that surrender of power, that isolation, that feeling of being alone. Um, much like what Harley was talking about before. Basically, I'm an actress in LA. That's what, that's, that's what I relate to. Um, but what is it about Blair Witch for you? Because I did feel, like, whilst I did feel that isolation, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, no worries. There's not really anything kind of jumpy or, or, or visually terrifying for me. And that's not me having to go at the film. That's just how I interpret it. What, what scares you about it? I mean, it was definitely different watching it at seven. Of course, well, yeah, sorry. Good point. <laughs> But it was it, it was impact it was super impactful to me then because I also lived like the setting of my house was a horror movie because it was yep. like this secluded house surrounded by miles of woods and I used to love playing in the woods like that was one of my favorite things to do and I was a very like my my imagination as a kid was huge and I used to play horror movies like with I get my friends <laughs> like let's play scream let's play i don't know let's make up a killer and we <laughs> like the woods and play and so when i saw blair witch for a second i was like oh my god what if that's in my woods yeah okay yeah but, and i will say like um i <laughs> i didn't really get the art of movie making when i was younger i used to think when i went to the movie theaters that the walls on the side, like the curtains, behind the curtain, the actors were back there, like making the movie. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That's great. I'm tired. So, though, actually, okay, I'm going to add this as a very impactful horror movie because I am terrified of snakes. And I, like a friend's parent took me to the movies to see Anaconda. Oh, what a film. <laughs> like the acting was happening behind the curtain. And that terrified me to no end. And that movie still freaks me out. I can't, I, that's like one that I, I don't like to rewatch. That's, uh, that's one I saw when I was too young as well. And I always um, think about the, the throat, when they put the knife in the throat to get the bug. Yeah, like that well, was, I think I was under, like, under the age of 10. That film came out in 97. So I would have been, yeah, between 10 and 12. I remember seeing that more than anything else. I was like, Okay, that's that's fun. And then John Voight obviously getting spat out of the snake. Pretty gross oh, yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> end of that movie too. <sighs> I hate snakes. 
That's uh, well, at least you got something in common with Indiana Jones, so that's all good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice one. Uh, yeah, found footage, obviously. Um, you know, uh, Blair, which did kind of pave the way. Everyone always ignores Cannibal Holocaust. Like to me, like the, I was like, that's the first found footage film, although it didn't really. Cr- I haven't seen it either. Um, you don't have to. Like it depends on what your nastiness scale is. Like uh, there's some really horrible stuff in there. <laughs> like it's pretty extreme, um, even by today's standards. But um, I always considered that the first found footage film, but. It's uh, it's a rough one. It's uh, yeah, especially with the animal stuff. It's it, that's quite sad. But yeah, yeah, I, I have a hard time anytime there's animals involved. I'm like, uh, my little heart can't. Take yeah, it, it automatically <laughs> becomes like one of my least favorite horror movies. You yeah. kill it. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I um, because there are some wonderful films, but you know, like one of my favorite a film that I've grown to love over the last few years is Eden Lake. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's a British film, uh, one of Michael Fassbender's first films. Um, I love him. And um, a couple go away on a camping trip to like the British countryside, and um, they start getting terrorized by teenagers. Just another reason for me to dislike teenagers. Um, <laughs> and it's got oh, I can't remember the, the guy's name now. Um, I was gonna say Chris O'Donnell, but that's the guy from Batman and Robin. Um, he's a British guy. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But anyway, they get terrorized by these like these real hard like British kids, and they start getting like. It becomes very sore-like, we'll just say that. But there is a dog that's harmed in that, and that made it quite hard, quite hard to watch. But if you can get past that, and it's not too graphic, it's a wonderful, like, suspenseful like horror film. I would definitely recommend Eden Lake. Okay, I'm going to write that in my notes app so I can remember for later. Up to, like, 48 hours later, and you just have blocked me on Instagram. You're like, that was too horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen Human Centipede, so I feel like I after seeing that, I, anything is... Did you watch the trilogy, Harley, or did you stop at one? I stopped at one. I it was. That's I went, the right move. That's the right move. Went into a weekend being like, okay, we're gonna like watch these. It was with a group of friends in college, and after the first one, uh, my friend had the audacity to order pizza. As we were, <laughs> I will not be friends with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> at least they didn't get like those frankfurts that are all linked together. That would have been. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> there we go. Right. Lining, so that's the bar. That's the that's the bar there. Cool. Figured yeah. that one out. Yeah. All right. You don't need to see two and three. One is totally watchable. I think anyone can, you know. Although I'm pretty desensitized, so maybe maybe I'm, you know. Don't watch Human Centipede, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Harley, what's number four on your list? Okay, so again, it's another exorcism movie, but The Conjuring. Great uh, film. Yeah, I I saw, I mean, it came out, I guess I was maybe like a sophomore in college when it came out. And I, at that point, I had seen so many horror movies. I I, I was like, I'm immune to being scared. Like I'm immune to nightmares. I've seen them all. Um, and I went with a friend who was like, I hate horror movies. And I was like, come on, it's going to be fine. It's like a fun, you know, some, some exorcisms, ghosts. <laughs> it's going to be so, super great. Uh, traumatized both of us. Mm-hmm. I, I, it traumatized me, like the clapping out of the closet. I, literally, I think it was three full months that I had trouble falling asleep after that movie. Oh, and I, I also like, I love, I love Patrick Wilson. I think so great. So I, I just, I think he's so, he's such a great actor. Um, so really, anything he does, well. I don't. I don't think that guy can put in a bad performance. I don't really like Aquaman, but <laughs> everything else. <laughs> no, that's why Aquaman's a long, wacky film. Like the first time I watched it, I wasn't sure. I'm like, oh, 
they're really committing. They're like, we're only going to make one of these, so let's put everything in this movie. Right. Here's an octopus playing the drums. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, honestly, what got me about that movie? This is a complete side tangent, but I, I, the hair, the hair underwater. I was like, this is too much. It's too mm. much. I'm so distracted by your hair on the way it was moving underwater. Like, I get they wanted to make it look real, but it was just too. It was there's too much motion happening and. What a silly thing to be distracted by, but, you know? No, I think it's the details that are what make it. You know, you talked about, for me, it's... <gasps> okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I talked about last week, and I feel we didn't talk about it again. Um, that film's brilliant. You know, James Wan, uh, I'll claim him, he's Australian, it's great, uh, but has a pretty stellar record for movies. Like, And it's very easy to outstay your welcome, especially in the horror genre, like because... It, it's so easy to make a, I don't want to say a bad film, but let's be honest, a bad film in horror. And for him to keep reinventing himself and doing all these wonderful different things. And The Conjuring does this thing, and I'll explain it to my, to my wife. The thing it does is it's not a jump scare film. And it does something very similar to what Ari Aster does with Hereditary, where they just make you sit through something horrible. Or like with Conjuring, he builds tension, builds tension, builds tension, and then the scene ends. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. You... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> anticipation where you're like oh god oh god oh god okay uh." and then yeah you're like oh wow yeah I I love that is the feeling like I try to explain to my because my my mother hates horror films and does not understand my love for them um and the way that I see it is that uh life is so stressful and there's so many things to like feel horrible about that I I like to have controlled stress yeah I'm getting into it's a complete distraction from like the stress of my real life um and it's you know you can then you're you're like volunteering yourself for that feeling and it's much more enjoyable that way i think it's the um, it's the roller coaster effect you yeah. know you don't want to jump off a building but on a roller coaster you're pretty safe like <laughs> Yeah, that's, I attribute my love of horror films and roller coasters to my dad, who uh, also loves both of those things. And my dad took me to every, I mean, he took me to see The Ring, The Grudge, Signs, um, any horror movie I ever wanted to see as a kid, my dad would be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, nice one. Um, and I love that you, you're a fan of Patrick Wilson. As I said, I don't think the guy can do any wrong. Even he's one of those actors where it doesn't matter what, how good or bad the film is like he's always 100% committed like so true so like true. is it conjuring true where he sings elvis like <laughs> he I sings i can't help falling in love with you he has like oh a oh my gosh yes oh. Oh. right but that i'm like what a he, the love story in mm. that i'm the conjuring they're horror films but they are also romance films like yes I, yes absolutely so beautifully romantic um, about a couple who just like loves each other, wants to help people and has this like really incredible bond. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, that's uh, my sweet spot is like live somewhere in that like romance horror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I love him. I think he's great. I, um, I don't know if you've seen Hard Candy, also another great film with Patrick Wilson. Um, very disturbing, um, but he's really, he's, it's not a horror film, but, um, and it's got um, Elliot Page as well. Um, they were oh, in, in, in it. It's about 10, 15 years old now. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a weird one. And, like, it's definitely, for men, I think, a, a tough watch, especially after what Elliot Page does to Patrick Wilson in that movie. But I definitely would recommend. Really suspenseful one. I got it on okay. my list. 
Nice one. Um, and also, just one more thing on Conjuring, uh, Joey King, one of her first films, and she's going to be a really wonderful um, actress. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I just saw Bullet Train. How is it? It's, I loved it. One great. of my favorite films of the year. I thought it was such a great time. It was funny, exciting, ruthless. The acting was incredible. The pacing was genius. I love when Brad Pitt plays kind of like goofy He's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, to me, it's like when he plays the sort of, I don't know, they're almost dorky. And I'm like, yeah, give me that. I love that. Yeah. Like um, when he like puts on a character, yeah. character actor. Yeah. Facade. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that he lives in a really sweet spot there. And um, Joey King is absolutely incredible. And I, I'm such a huge fan of hers. Um, I watched, oh shoot, I'm blanking on the name of the show. Um, that was like based. Yes. So, have you seen that? It's like I, I haven't. I've been told that it's a tough watch. Um, it is a it's tough, a tough watch. watch. It is definitely a tough watch. She's but, just she's so she's so committed, and I feel like yeah. that's part of why it's a tough watch is because you're like you really buy in. Um, so, I'm hoping she gets some more some media roles. I'm glad she's in a Brad Pitt film. That's going to really help her her star power as well. But she's just one of those actresses. That I'm like, she should be doing more. Like you know, yeah. like she's doing the doing the Kristen Stewart thing right now. You know, where she did a couple of Kissing Booth films. Kristen Stewart did Twilight, and everyone's like, "Oh, what a terrible decision!" I was like, "No, no, no, that's the smart play. You make the money, and then you choose whatever movie you want to do." Uh, yeah. And then Kristen Stewart did like Underwater. You know, <laughs> like, loved that Underwater. was so scary. So scary. Oh man, potentially that they built in that. Yeah, I was not. I didn't know what to expect. I think we saw that. We together. saw it in Dolby. In Dolby, that's right. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> we, I was sweating. Like 99% of that movie. It was so intense. Uh, I'm just going to throw out random movie titles. I'm just glad to see you guys excited about them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, very uh, Alien-esque. Remind me a lot of Alien. So. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're up to three, Tyler. Um, well, to continue on the Patrick Wilson train. Yes. I'm going to say Insidious. That is um, in my... Uh, like young adult, young adult into adult life. That is the only movie. Love it. Yes. Just picked it up. I have never seen it. So it's literally on my watch list. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, so I know this is recording and uh, audio recording, but he just showed me his Blu-ray of Insidious. Um, oh yeah. I didn't show you guys the wall before I started, but there's the... <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Wait. It's a wall of dreams. Wait, we'll get back to it in a second. I'll show you mine. <laughs> oh, please do. This is exactly the kind of tangent I want on this show. Like, oh, nice. And a lot of them are still in North Carolina because I, I, I just have to bring, a, you know, a batch every now and then. <laughs> no, definitely. This is, yeah, this is the wall of Blu-ray. This, actually, I had to, um, this like holds like 600 or something. And I had to move some into this one behind me now as well because I just took up too much space. Yeah, and, uh, I still, like, I know everything's digital now, but I still buy... Blu-rays and DVDs because yes. I I love the I, lo- I love having the hard copy. That's it. And uh, during the pandemic, when everyone's internet started getting slow because everyone was streaming at once, I was like, ah, oh, who's an idiot now for owning Blu-rays? <laughs> I know. Well, now, like, I still have my Blu-ray player, but now now that I have like these steel books and stuff like that, I'm having to I'm saving up to get a 4K mm. player. Um, but oh, sorry, Lost Train. Lost my train. No, that's okay. We're nerding out. This is great. I've got all my DVDs in the garage, but um, if I put them in here, then I wouldn't be able to do my day job. Um, 
Uh, I'm so sorry, Insidious. You were talking about Insidious. Insidious, yes. That was the first and only movie now, like to this day, that, well, like I said, in my young adult into adult life, that I saw, I went to the midnight um, opening and came home. It was a Thursday night, it was a Friday morning. I was in college and I had like an 8 a.m. class the next day and I could not go to sleep nor turn my lights off. Like I fully, I opened up the closet. I looked under the bed. I turned my lights on. I kept trying to go to sleep. I could not. The movie stuck with me for a couple of days. Um, and that's another one where like, the, it's it's such a good like character driven horror. Mm-hmm. Um, like the family dynamic is really yeah. really strong, and Patrick is so good. Rose Byrne, oh, I'm Rose. oh I love Rose Byrne. Love her. I want her career. That's she another another actor. Did you talk about Joey King? Put her in more things. I know she's in a lot, but well, she can do it all too. Like she's, she's so funny. She's so funny. She's so dropped when she's in dramas. Like I, I just, she's so talented. Yeah. She should be having like the Amy Adams career. That's what she should be having. There are a couple of actresses out there. Like Rosario Dawson's another one who I love, but it's just for some reason not quite in the spotlight. I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's it. It is interesting. It, it be, I think being like a film snob, <laughs> <laughs> are in the spotlight just because I love them so much that like, I, I don't think of the, I guess the broader outside of the LA bubble, how people view them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Rose Byrne, she's so, so, so good. You have got to watch Insidious. It, it, it's on my list. The only reason I haven't watched it yet is because I know it's going to be a daytime watch. Um, because yep. <laughs> and I don't get a lot of days off to myself. I'm very lucky. My wife and daughter, I said, oh, you know, I'm, in, I'm interviewing these very important people from Hollywood. And she was <laughs> like, okay, no worries. We'll leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they went out. Um, so I've got some time to myself. But um, the next time I have a day off midweek, Insidious is on the list to watch. But I know it's going to be a daytime watch because I will, as much as I love horror, I will absolutely have nightmares or I will like just yeah. be staying up. And I know it's one that will sit with me. I keep seeing the screenshot of the red face. That's Ooh. nightmare fuel on its own without it actually, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that with the red face, like, I don't want to spoil anything. I mean, you already know what it looks like. But, like, yeah. the first time you see it, the, the way that's edited is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and James Wan again, like. Yeah. Yeah. The man has a good, a good eye. <laughs> now do you go in for the sequels within cities because i know some people are quite on the fence about the sequels i have not seen any of the sequels okay um, which i really now that insidious 5 is coming out soon which i know like insidious 2 chapter 2 is a direct sequel to the original but i think insidious 3 and 4 are like prequels or other storylines but Insidious 5, which Patrick Wilson directed. Oh, fantastic. Uh, That's right. He did, yeah. Yeah, brings back the family, his family from the first two. Um, so that's making me want to watch at least Insidious 2. Let's well, definitely, yeah. we should have an Insidious movie night soon. We'll get the crew together. Yeah. Oh, that, that, those might be hard to like binge. Do it. It's his movie day. Be like, guys, we're going to have a picnic. It's 12 in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Will we find the lights are on? Um, yeah. Yep. We talked about Patrick Wilson um, and Joey King and Conjuring before. I'm just kind of 
crossing over because there's some James Wan shared territory. Um, Vera Famiga, obviously, and then her sister Tysa is in um, The Nun. And now James yeah. Wan wants to get them together in a film, which I'm like, this is this could not be better. Like, oh. the, another couple of wonderful actresses who really like again, like I think Tysa was in. I can never pronounce her name right, so I apologize. I think she was in um, American Horror Story as well, and she's just everything yeah. she does. I'm just she's so wonderful. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, and they look. Wow, so identical. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw, I think I, I, I don't think we were together when I saw The Nun. I think I was with Rochelle and Vanessa when Rochelle I think I saw that by her. myself. Wow, bold. Love watching <laughs> <laughs> You did what I did with Hereditary. I'm like, by myself, let's go. This will be fine. <laughs> oh, man, by yourself. That. I saw Hereditary in a movie theater full of people and it was still not enough people for me to feel <laughs> safe. I, like, oh. I, uh, I went and saw Hereditary um, on a matinee. I used to have a went, used to Wednesday off. So I used to love going to a matinee by myself, 10 in the morning, movie by myself. Like, this is great. I never watched yeah. a tra- single trailer of Hereditary. I just yeah. said, I, all I'd heard was all the, um, the buzz from the festivals. Like it was like the big, I think it was in... Um, uh, Sundance was all this like praise about it. and one of the girls on Collider were talking about it and they're like look it's long but it redefines everything about horror and I was like great I don't need to see a trailer I'll go in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me having maybe the most traumatic time of my life yeah. uh, Tony Collette is screaming like I I think I stood up out of my seat like I was so physically just moved disturbed I stood up. I was like, I can't handle it. It's too real. That 30-second scream that just cuts between, like, you know, discovery to funeral to more. I'm just like, again, like, why was this woman not nominated? Like, this is a pitch-perfect performance. Yeah, yeah. It's because the Academy doesn't like horror. Even though it's filled with skeletons and corpses, but is that true? It's weird. Like, there was, like, a whole... People like were frustrated when Get Out got nominated for an Oscar because there's so many filmmakers that don't consider horror like masterful, Worthy, right? Which is crazy. Which horror I think is so hard to direct. So hard. Mm. And the thing with horror is that it can be cheap. It can be cheap, and so therefore everyone's like, "Oh yeah, let's get a bucket of paint. That's fine. Let's just get some food dye and some corn flour, and you know, we'll, we'll be all good." But there is, you know, suspense is, it's an art, you know, you can't just, you know, you can't just, you know, make a horror film and expect it to be scary. And we've seen time and time again, like people who think they can do it and not quite execute it. Um, so I'm trying to be very diplomatic. <laughs> that's, how I, <laughs> that's how I treat it on the show. Um, but Get Out is a, is a wonderful movie, like such a wonderful, and that's, that is a fun horror film, even though it's very uncomfortable in places and legitimately yeah. scary. It, it's like, yeah. It's, it's so, it's so clever. It was so, so brilliant. And it was like the first of that kind that I had seen. And I, I really, I loved, I loved seeing yeah. that in theaters. I, I haven't seen Nope yet. Um, I, I, I quite liked Us, although nothing is ever going to be Get Out, but I did quite like Us. But Nope, I'm really excited to see. Um, and I've heard some, some good things about that one. So, yeah. um, righty, number three, Harley, what have we got? Um, okay, so I've... <laughs> I've had debates with people about whether or not it's a horror film, but Signs is... That's a horror film? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
some people have argued that it's a drama. Yes, okay, fine. It, it is a drama, both. but it is both. Um, it is, again, it's like, it is the first, I think it's the first horror film I saw in theaters. Although I will say, this is a kind of a side tangent, but I did see The Mummy in theaters and that movie gave me nightmares, like the bugs crawling. and Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, not a horror film, but did terrify me. Um, but yeah, Signs was like the per- first proper horror movie I saw in theaters. And um, I, it's one, it's one of my comfort movies. I rewatch it every year on my birthday. Um, nice. I, yeah, I, I love it so much. I love the family dynamic. I love the idea of, of like the questioning of like miracles versus coincidences. And um, I don't know. I just, I think it's moving. I think it's scary. I can quote almost the entire thing. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I love it. I, I thought that M. Night Shyamalan had a really strong, you know, little go there for a moment. I I like a lot of his work. I know people argue that it's not great, but. I, I think M. Night Shyamalan is one of those directors who he's the easy target. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like people are like, oh, you know, let me guess the twist ending. Like, do you know what I mean? But <laughs> <laughs> like people, like people just like, he's just an easy punching bag. But the guy, again, we talk about finding that niche and finding a career that you want. Like he's got his audience. Yeah. Um, and he's done some wonderful things recently. You know, um, I wasn't a huge fan of Glass, but Split is brilliant. Split is so, so good. good. It's, I it's, saw that. I saw that in the arc light. So I was actually in LA uh, when that movie came out. I oh, got to see it. oh my gosh! Yes. Oh, um, RIP arc light. So I was so like, and when it, yeah, when it closed, I was like, I'm so glad I got there. I'm so glad I got to the arc light and and, and see it. But um, Split is wonderful. The visit uh, is fine. I think like I don't didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. Um, I, I liked it. I <laughs> I totally yeah like I yeah. And I think, I, I really liked old. I actually think old's quite interesting you know like it's such an unusual concept i agree i saw it with a group of people and it was funny because i i I think his movies split the crowd like my friend rochelle and i who's also she's another um cat she's in our cast as well and she's a part of our horror group um her and i we loved it we were raving about it and then there was other people in our group were like that was the worst movie i've ever seen and so i'm like i guess we just have good taste in youtube Um, yeah, I thought it was a super interesting concept. I loved watching, you know, like to me, it's always interesting. You put a group of people in a situation and just like watch what they do. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's such a basic premise and yet so fascinating because you see the humanity and, you know, watching people tear each other apart. It's, it's like watching reality TV in a way. Yes. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great analogy. That's why I found The Descent so scary. I don't know if you've seen The Descent. Um, the Neil Marshall film from 2005, but just the idea of like, we're five friends and we're going to support each other through a really difficult time. Oh, we're, we're screwed and now we're going to kill each other. It's like, no, no, you were friends, remember? <laughs> like, right. Yeah, that's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is also a great... Have you seen it? No, it hasn't. I don't know if it's been released over here yet. It's definitely on its way to be released. Um, it'll probably just be an automatic Blu-ray buy for me. I'm at the point in my life, I'm like, you know what? I can throw down 20, 30 bucks on a movie and take a gamble. So... <laughs> Don't look up anything about it. Yeah. Yep. Don't read anything about it. it. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is one of my, like, favorite movie-going experiences of the last, like, five years, maybe. Me too. Same. I think what people, what I have heard about, and I haven't heard anything spoiled, but I think one thing that audiences struggle with is the cast is meant to be unlikable. I think that's the idea. And people have trouble with that. My wife's someone like that. She's like, 
if the main character is unlikable, if she finds it really hard to get into, whereas I'm like, oh no, that's fine. Like, I can yeah. I can watch an unlikable cast. That's okay. As long as that, if that's the point, you know, just yeah. you know, pay it off for me, and that's fine. Right. Yeah. It definitely it definitely is that. Like, you don't you never really know who you're rooting for, and I but I kind of like that because you know, to me, it's more interesting when than just having like one clear hero. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wanna. I want to love to hate you. Well, I really liked that about um, Train to Busan. I don't know if you've seen the... I watched that over the pandemic. <laughs> that's an interesting was, pandemic choice. <laughs> I was like, let's just watch some zombie movies. Like, Let's watch 28 Days Later as well. <laughs> like, yeah, let's watch Contagion. I did yes. that on March like, 16th. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, I thought Train to Busan did that really well where the dad is quite unlikable and even the guy who ends up kind of helping him out later, he's kind of unlikable as well because it's just the idea, as you said, putting people in a stressful situation and watch them become, well, revealing their nature, I suppose. And right. um, But that film's wonderful. Um, and that's another film that made me cry. Like that ending is really heartbreaking. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we skipped over Science. We, 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 went, on a real, we went on a real Shyamalan um, tangent, which is fine. Um, that footage, which is, you know, obviously replicating the Bigfoot footage, is, is great. Like, it's what a great use of, you know, kind of replicating that moment in history. I think it's really effective. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I quote, I don't know the actual words, it's, so it's probably, I'm not even going to try to imitate it. But uh, that scene is one of my favorite scenes ever of all time of my whole life. That reveal when they're at the kids' party mm-hmm. and like the found footage moment and the alien walks out and it's just like glued on the screen like i i felt <laughs> like walking phoenix in that closet i was just like oh my god <laughs> and it looked so real uh and obviously i i think i was 11 when i saw it and so i would have nightmares of aliens walking up my stairs to my bedroom <laughs> every night um but i just yeah like again the family dynamics were so beautiful um and and moving to me i thought I, and I, I love Joaquin Phoenix. I think he's so great. And and Mel Gibson for his, all of his, you know, the the, the we have to we have to separate art from artists sometimes. Yeah. Like, no, he's the father. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um that's a movie I've only seen once or twice, but I quote it. I would say every week. Um, wow. Like swing away, Meryl has just become like okay. in the lexicon for me. Where if someone's like, oh, "I want to give this a go," hey, swing away, Meryl, and people never know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> yeah, uh, my boyfriend makes fun of me because I leave water cups. Like I also am very particular about the taste of my water, and so you walk into my apartment and I literally have water cups. Like, <laughs> like, did you get this from this movie? I was like, no, I swear, I just don't. I'm particular about my water. <laughs> So just to anyone listening who was worried about her living alone, she's got two guard dogs and an alien defense unit with her cups exactly. of water. So we're fine. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's a great choice. And that's such an underrated flick. Like, again, he's such an easy punching bag for audiences, but that's his movies are pretty good. Like, I mean, Last Airbender and I think Lady in the Water, I think those are the two big strikes on his. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I never actually, I never saw Last Airbender. Um, so I haven't either, by the way. I use those, so I've never seen either of those films, but I know they're the ones people, you know, punch on, so. Yeah, yeah. I know, I liked, I liked The Village. I know people punch on that too, yeah. but I, 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 I enjoyed it. I thought it was spooky. And I, I love a twist ending. Like, I love, because, you know, the whole movie, you're like, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? And then you're like, oh, 
I see that. I'm surprised. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I see oh, that. Six. Yeah, we didn't even talk about six cents, but geez. Yeah. What nightmare fuel. Right. Uh, I loved it. I thought the acting was so great in it. I love uh, it. Nice one. I'm just keeping an eye on the clock. We've got plenty of time, but I know that Tyler has an appointment. So um, I just, I'm not rushing you guys, certainly not, but I also am very aware that you have lives outside of my little podcast. Uh, Tyler, we'll jump to number two. Um, I'm going to have to say, and I already talked a little bit about why, but I'm going to have to say, I know what you did last summer. <sighs> it is what introduced me to horror. And um, it's the, clo- like, I feel weirdly close to that movie just because like, you know, I still watch it to this day and I'm like, I know exactly where that is. That's, uh, that's right next to the coffee shop that I go to when I go and visit. That's, um, so it's just, that movie brings me so much joy. I watch it every year on July 4th. Um, and I, I mean, Ju- uh, Julie, Julie James, Jennifer Love Hewitt <laughs> was like, became like such a crush of mine when I was six years old. Me too. <laughs> so Geller, because then not long after that, it was Buffy. Yeah. And- um and that's just it's such a pivotal moment in my life because that's when I discovered horror and I mean now I'm working in horror and it's a big community that I'm a part of so I have to give credit to that movie and also Kevin Williamson like mm-hmm. he's also a North Carolina boy we grew up not that far from each other so there's like there's a, a kinship to it yeah. as well I love that connection to home. Um, and that's something that I, I, you know, I feel growing up in Australia, we don't have a lot of, uh, we're not, we're not a, a big movie making country. And I've said on the, in the past that, you know, I don't have a lot of favorite Australian films because it's a lot lower budget. They kind of look like they were shot on a handy cam. A lot of them, they're getting better. Um, the Loved Ones, which is about 10 years old now, if you ever saw The Loved Ones, it's a wonderful Australian horror film. Um, obviously, James Wan is doing all sorts of wonderful things over there. But I've never felt that home connection to any of the movies that we've been making. Um, so hearing that kind of, that affiliation with like, oh, I grew up, there's, there's the coffee shop. Like that's so wonderfully beautiful in a very twisted way. We were like, hey, where'd that person get killed? I know that. Um, <laughs> Um, and it had like the quintessential teen cast, like everyone in that, like it's, it's oh. Freddie Prince Jr., like everyone, like every attractive person from the 90s is in that movie, it feels like. Uh, I know it started Sarah Michelle Gellar's and Freddie Prince Jr.'s love story. Mm. Still strong. Um, I love that. I mean, it's just the music in it too. Mm-hmm. I love, like, I love coastal North Carolina. It's one of my favorite places in the world and it's depicted so well. And it's if you want to get a taste of it, either watch I Know We Did Last Summer or watch a Nicholas Sparks movie, essentially. Because <laughs> uh, that's the only thing that's filmed there. Um, yeah. But, and I, 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 I feel that now with Scream 2022, because that was filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the first clip of Sydney uh, in Scream 5, she's running down the Riverwalk, which is one of my favorite places to go. And, like, yes. And that's also where the um, uh, the Ice House restaurant is from Dawson's Creek, which was also Kevin Williamson. And so I just have like so many like geek out ties. Um, and like this is another one I'm going to throw out really quick. Like in Scream 5, when um, Sam and Richie are driving into Woodsboro and you see them driving down a street, they're driving on Front Street. And to the like slight left of the frame, there's like a brick wall 
that you can see, and that's Joey's wall from season three of Dawson's Creek. So it's like <laughs> I can find little location details like that. Um, so long story short, it's one of the reasons why yeah. I know you did last summer is one of my favorite movies. I, I love I know what you did last summer. I know we we're talking about it just before. Um, I said just before. We've been going for almost an hour and a half. Um, uh, <laughs> that was one of the first horror films that I watched. You know, in that time because I loved slashes, even though slashes are notoriously violent and, and, and grisly. I think that they're I think they're a nice entry level to horror for for teens because whilst they're quite bloody and gory, the scares are kind of minimal. They're just jump scares, and you kind of can relate to. You, they're trying to show that reflection of who you are on the screen. It's very much very teen driven horror, um, yeah. and that film uh, is so much fun. Uh, I always think of the um, the scene where Sarah Michelle Gellar is getting you know getting her crown, and her boyfriend's being murdered. Like, and she's literally watching it happen, and no one like really buys into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, and then the sequel, of course, uh, one of the early debuts of Jack Black. Um, oh yeah, I mean, I don't love the sequel. You I didn't, watched... you didn't like Will Benson. You didn't like the twin. Ben's son. I was like, well, okay. Um, but the tainted bed moment was very, very scary, uh, and I, I don't know. Like, I mean, have I seen it? more than 10 times yes <laughs> so i mean i still enjoy watching it but you know what i don't enjoy is i'll always know what you did last summer didn't finish it i haven't seen it i um knowing that pretty much no one from the original project pro- uh product uh i can't say words it's saturday morning he i think i'll be fresh um the knowing really original from that production was involved in the third one so i was like ah i'll, I'll get there you know like one it's just not on my watch list right now yeah, you don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather a reboot. Give me like a, well, I was going to say get like Jenny Ortega, but she's in Scream. So it's probably like, but get like, give me like a modern young cast, get like the, the new kids, get, you know, they can all be unknowns as far as I care. Like, let's get them in and then just throw like a legacy actor in there. And let's have some fun with it. Jennifer yeah. Love Hewitt, I'm sure would love to come back. She'd be great. Like taking on like the, yeah, that role. I love her. I love her so much. Yeah. I've watched many a not so great film because uh, my obsession with her as a teenager. <laughs> so. I mean, I have seen for almost every movie she's been in, as well as Nev Campbell. Yeah. And Nev Campbell has done some amazing films, though. I will say that. She's wonderful. And I forgot how good she was. You know, I, I was watching, when I was watching Scream last, I'm like, gee, like she was pretty fresh in Hollywood at this point. She just, I think she'd just done Party of Five maybe before that. Um, yeah. But I know, like, Previously, she'd been rooming with Tara Strong. I don't know if you know the voice actress Tara Strong. Um, they like lived together in Hollywood for about a month, and then Nev Campbell booked Party of Five and became this megastar. Um, and then just did all these. But yeah, like her performance is so believable. Like she's so wonderful in, in, in that film. So you should you should do a deep dive on YouTube and find her like testing tapes for it. So I was like, oh, I see why she got it. Mm-hmm. She's, she's I, love, so- I love that stuff. Um, Harley, you have not had a chance. Oh, sorry. I was about to tell a very embarrassing story. It can do wait. it. No, I do it. No, Harley, it stop everything. Tell us. <laughs> okay, so I met Nev Campbell like four and a half years ago. I was working at a coffee shop and it was a Saturday morning, 7 a.m. We had just opened. I literally crawled out of my bed at 6.30. So I'm still waking up. And the first customer of the day, she walks through the door and 
I immediately they're like, oh, I recognize her, but I just think that she's a regular. And then as soon as she approaches the counter, she smiles and I freeze. And <laughs> she gives me her coffee order and I just like nod my head and I'm turning around to get the cups to like write it, write, write in on the cups to put it next to the espresso machine. And as I'm turning around in my head, I'm like, I don't know what she said. And so I had to turn back to her like all red face and not cool in any way. And just had to say, I'm so sorry, but I didn't hear anything that you just said. <laughs> That's like all I could say. And, um, I will never forget what she ordered now. She got an Americano and a double espresso. Um, but when I went to go like uh, ring her out, the entire time I'm walking to the cash register, I'm like, do I say something? Do I not? Do I say something? Do I not? And like, there was this voice. I was like, seven-year-old you is going to kill you if you do not. Mm. So I did, I did come, come uh, a bit easier than uh, it started out. And I was just like such a big fan of Scream. And you could tell she was like, oh, I get this a lot. But she was like, thank you so much. That's very kind. And then I just dove into like all of her movies. And when I mentioned the company which she wrote the story for because she used to be a dancer, her face like lit up. And I was like, ah, <laughs> here we go. And then she stood there and talked to me for like five minutes. Oh, that's and awesome. I, and, and she didn't remember it. So <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, but that's okay. That's not that embarrassing because you saved it. And that's, that's the key. Like I haven't really, you know, been able to meet too, too many heroes and stuff. But my thing is like, if I ever do, I've got to go with the deep cut. Like, you know, go with the thing that, you know, they wouldn't expect to, you know, you talk about, so like with me, like with Kevin Smith, it's like, I need to talk about Jersey Girl because most people hated that film, but I love Jersey Girl. That, that movie had some heart. It, um, and as, as a father now, like it just read, like the film's been redefined for me, but even as a, you know, when I was 17 or 18, I watched it growing up with a single, like with my dad, you know, my parents are divorced with a single dad. I really related to it. And so I'm like, this is all right. That's the, that's the one I'll reference. Like, you know, everyone talks about more rats and stuff, but but, you know, if I talk about Jersey Girl, they might be like, oh, okay, he's been paying attention. So that's, you did the right move going to the deep cut. Yeah. Um, and that's not embarrassing at all. I think it, that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty reasonable reaction to get a little bit starstruck. Yeah, I guess so. I just always like to think that I could play it cool. <laughs> and uh, I've met celebrities and I'm fine, but her? She's different. Wow. That's that's like, we're all about positivity here on the show, so we're never going to tear you down. Uh, that's yeah. why I could. That's why I couldn't vote what we were going to do to Harley if you guys hit eight thousand. I'm like, I can't choose something horrible. I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just like the post and move on. <laughs> uh, Harley, what's your number two? I mean, we've discussed it already so much, but yes, here it is. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, my one and two could go back and forth, really, but um, Hereditary just. I, I loved it so much. I, it was visceral. It was mm. moving. It was terrifying. The, this, yep. I'm doing a position with my hands. I know you can't see me when you're listening, but, uh, uh that, the, the piano wire. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Her, mm. her crawling in the corner. Yep. Uh, uh, it's sorry. It's Alex Wolf. That's in it. Right. Yes. I, okay. Yes. I, his brother there, I flip their names around, but his performance was, incredible so good. um when he was hitting his head on the desk i mean obviously it's like jarring but his commitment throughout the entire movie and and their relationship like how tumultuous it was after it happened because it's like for me i love horror in its exploration of like real human emotions like grief and 
you know, the family dynamics. It's why I love signs too, because mm. it's you're watching people deal with real life things, like real tragedy. Yeah, definitely. And, and it becomes like a part of the horror. It becomes yes. a part of makes everything so scary. And I, yeah, I just freaking loved it. It was my first, inter- I mean, it was Ari Aster's first big, yeah. it was the first That's his I- first debut feature, yeah. To have that as your debut feature, I'm like, you're done. Hey. Like that's it. You can go home. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, "Oh, here's Midsummer too." And I'm like, <laughs> we were just talking. We're so excited to see his next one with Walking Phoenix of all yeah. people. Um. So I, yeah, I'm like, he can do no wrong in my eyes. It's it was just so great. It really is the family dynamic about that film that makes it for me. Like I, I was talking about this last week. That generally, when you watch a family horror film, you're talking about conjuring. It's the family coming together. Right. But this family hates each other, and they're really out for themselves. And there's like if they're like whatever love is there, like it is not on the screen. They are isolating themselves from each other. There's no support, and mm-hmm. it's their undoing because they're not working together. And hundred um, percent, yeah. And and I think that like the relationship that you know he has with his sister and the, yeah. like connect there the age difference. Like I think it's it's themes at least for me. Like I was kind of a you know bratty teenager when I was growing up and I, I was the oldest sibling and I felt, you know, rebellious against my parents and um, like taking my younger sibling to a party is definitely something my parents would have made me do. And I would <laughs> like, Oh God, like, why do I have to do this? And I don't know, to me, I was just, it was so like relatable in that way. And so, um, yeah, like I deeply connected with, and the, the fight that they have um, that Tony Collette and Alex Wolf have at the table um like how because he's not expressing his grief or his sorrow or anything and and she says like I thought that this would be something that could at least bring us together like at least Mm. we would have something good come out of this but we can't even have that like still you're not even sorry I don't know it was just like so moving I think she's fantastic it's it's so bleak it's so (laughs) upsetting I um right yeah in that moment you're like maybe Maybe that's hope. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> it does have one of my favorite edits of all time. Uh, previously, my favorite edit of all time was in Hostel, where um, they go to cut his toe off in a custom girl painting her toenail. I yeah. think it's been replaced by Hereditary, where he sees her head roll off and becomes a basketball. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, it might be the only moment of levity in that entire film where I was just like, oh, oh, good, a joke. Thank you. Like, <laughs> Small and quick, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you also have like, yeah, you talk about the crawling on the roof before, like, oh. uh, creepy. So, uh, so creepy. Thank goodness that that film is ridiculous at the end, and I mean that in a compliment. Like, it's just it goes so crazy because otherwise you would just, oh, I just don't know how you'd move on. I, you know, I was talking about, and uh, Tyler mentioned here we talking about Heredi- uh, about Midsummer last week. After I went and saw Hereditary, I was like, all right. I'm going to walk my dogs and get some fresh air. Like that way I can just like un- unpack what I saw. Top of the first hill at my, at my old house and my dog's stopping there sniffing something. I look over, headless pigeon. And I was like, oh, well, that's an omen. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. Oh no. I'd be like, nope. All right. Going home. Staying home for the rest of the day. I was like, oh, okay. Like I'm just going to give up. <laughs> oh, it's so unsettling. Yeah. Wow. That would have been really intense. Yeah. Um, but be- like, 
it is a it's a wonderful film. Like I know, like my reaction to it has been absolute dread. It's just I just don't know if I could sit through it again. It just upset me so much. And films don't really upset me. Like every now and then, just think it's like, oh, that's a bit rough. But it just hit every single emotional point where I was just like. I don't know if I need to feel that way again. Like that's I've, that's the closest to experiencing loss I want to feel. I know yeah. it's not, but he really. really captured that feeling so well. Like, yeah, yeah, and I, that's like one thing I love about Tony Fly. She's such a sympathetic actress. Like you feel what she's feeling, mm. and you like as an audience. Like it's that's I mean one of my goals as an actor. Like I I want people to be able to connect with like their own emotional experience, like through what they're seeing. Like if I, if I, if one person can experience that after watching my work, like I'm like, oh, I've made it. That is it. <laughs> yes. Um, because it, it truly like you're, it's just such a powerful thing. And it, it takes, it takes going there. Like, mm. you know what I mean? She had to really commit to that yeah. feeling. And that's, that's horrifying. Like yeah. to really let yourself go there um I I don't know like that's something that scares me as an actor I'm like oh my god well you've got look you've got the writing talent next to you and you've got the chops I'm sure like once once Scream's done make the most upsetting dreadful (laughs) film possible um just just prepare to get absolutely no appreciation just like Tony Collette because to this day I'm just like how dare they not give her anything like what is like that is it borderline, like it, it almost crosses over from performance to reality, which is like, it's so believable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. All righty. Here we are. Look, I feel like I know what number one is for Tyler, but let's go with, <laughs> let's go with number one, what we've been building to this whole time. Bambi. Uh, <laughs> terrifying. And uh, what a twist. That's also a quote from Scream 4. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, it'd be off brand if I didn't say scream. What? Um, I know. It's just such a shocker. People still meet me and they're like, you like scream? And I'm like, I know it's weird. Um, (laughs) No, it just, it's, it's, it's my favorite movie. Weirdly. Okay. I'm going to, this is going to sound so bizarre, but we've already talked quite a bit about scream and I have a feeling we're going to talk a little bit more about it. So (laughs) I'm just going to like not talk about scream for a second, but the the close number two of favorite movie of all time and this is this is how i like pitch myself professionally is i'm a mix of the screen franchise meets the before sunrise franchise that is a i haven't it's on my list it's on my it's on my wish list to buy the the whole trilogy um but yeah like it's Look, I look. I've said before. Sometimes I lose some cred, and look, we're gonna. I'm gonna lose some cred right now as a film snob. Um, I have not, but it's definitely been on my to do list. I love both Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Like, it's exquisite. Like, yeah. picture perfect, phenomenal. They should have also won everything for those movies. Um, people like get that immediately with me. Like, they're like, "Oh, of course you love Before Sunrise and Richard Linklater," but. Um, I like, I do, for people who don't really know me, I present as, I think a very like, just like all American nice kind of guy. And then when they're like, you're a horror nerd, I'm like, yeah. And <laughs> um, You so, contain multitudes. So Scream, Scream is my number one, hands down. Um, yeah, absolutely. And as I said, like, I'm glad I rewatched it last night or got through 
like 80% of it. Like I've, I will finish it today. But I'm glad I went back to it because I found so much more in it this time around. I was just like, um, as I said, that opening, like 12 minutes is chilling. Like the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, ah, oh, this is, you know, this is fun. It's pretty full on. And like, yeah, like there's some, some dated 90s stuff, but that's going to happen when you're making it, a, you know, I wouldn't say a period piece, but a movie of its time, you know. It's going to have some... But the characters still work. There's nothing really kind of aged. Like sometimes, especially in the 80s, but even early 90s, you'll get some jokes that don't quite land um, for a modern audience. But it's pretty clean. Like it pretty like it works. It holds up really well. Wow. It's a solid choice, and I would have been ashamed if it wasn't your number one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, not at all. Uh, but I'm glad. I'm glad it is. I've got no idea what yours is, Harley. I, I can't pick. I'm like you've done a lot of exorcism stuff, so I'm leaning there, but I just don't know what number one's going to be. So my number one is um, drum roll. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, which I it feels kind of maybe like a random choice, but to me, it encapsulates all of the things that I love about um, horror in in that it's really just a story of grief. Yes. And a feeling um, while also scaring the absolute shit out of me at the same time. Um, I, I think it was one of the only horror films that I watched by myself the first time I saw it. Cause I just, I had heard nothing about it. I didn't know what to expect. Um, that was brave of you. And I, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to finish this. Like I turned my light on and I was like, okay, well I, I, we're here. So uh, I guess this is happening. Um, and I just, I remember being like, this is one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen. And then getting to the end and just completely sobbing, like bawling yeah. my eyes out. Um, I just, I thought it was such a beautiful story about love and family and grief and dealing with grief and family dynamics. And I don't know, I just, I... I just love it. I love it so much. And I, it's the movie I recommend to people who are like trying to get into horror movies because I'm like horror movies that are scary just for the sake of being scary are super fun and great. And I love them clearly. Um, but when you can get like that little punch in the gut at the end where it's, it has heart. I don't know. To me, I'm like, that's, it's perfect. I, I love it. As soon as you said that, it made perfect sense. Like all we've talked about on your list is grief and family, and um, yeah. <laughs> and like it sounds like that's where I guess the idea of fear stems for you. Where it's just like I, I talked about isolation last week. The idea of being alone or having that support system or not having like that's those are really terrifying human things and something that we're all going to experience if we haven't at some point. Um, so I guess it's nice that they put it in movies for us to prepare us for it a little bit. I, uh, I think it's like a, I think it's sort of like a entertaining way to cope with like the very real terrifying things that we will deal with in life, um, like loss and grief and and disconnection and um, and I, I think it's like a great way to experience those feelings and experience those things that's not just so head on. Like because obviously, like you can watch a good drama and it'll give you that. Um, but I don't know, watching it in a horror movie is, I like the metaphors. Like I, mm. I love a good metaphor. Um, and I don't know, it's kind of like a roundabout way where you can experience that without being like hit over the head with it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I think 
the people who don't watch horror or refuse to accept horror as a legitimate genre are missing. I agree. It's, you know, people are like, and even my wife to extent, I'm not throwing her under the bus and well, she doesn't listen to the show anyway, but if she did, she'll know because <laughs> she doesn't understand. And I was talking to her, I was trying to explain it last week. I'm like, well, part of it's just the taboo. Like it's just, you know, it feels a bit dangerous. It's, you know, kind of uh, manufactured danger so you can kind of enjoy, right. you know, Quentin Tarantino has a wonderful quote. He, he said like in the early 90s where he's like, I love violence on screen but never in real life. Or I'm paraphrasing there. And that's kind of how I feel. Like show me the extremes on screen that I, that I can handle. Like, don't take it too far. But sh- show me those extremes on screen so I can process it in my own way. And yeah, there's a bit of taboo there. But also, like, it's that emotional outlet. Like, that's what film does for us. Like, it translates the untranslatable sometimes. It helps us connect with other people from different corners of the globe, um, you know, different backgrounds, uh, you know, and different understandings. And I think horror really does that in a way that other genres kind of struggle to do because you have that. There's just more you can do with the genre. You can take it to wild, wacky places. It can be silly or scary or funny or um, heartbreaking um, in a way that other movies can't necessarily do. Um, And that's, I mean, to circle back to Scream, like one of the things I love about Scream is like the commentary on, on horror itself, like on the genre and on the way that like we consume horror and the way that it translates into like experiencing real life horror and I don't know. I, I, like I said, I love a meta moment. I love a metaphor. Like it's just, it's creative. And I don't know, like you can have straightforward conversations about grief and loss and all those different things, but I don't know if you can surprise me with it and, and scare me and make me laugh along the way. Like that's the way to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, those are two excellent lists. If people haven't picked up some movies for their October watch list by now, like you haven't been paying attention. Those are all some <laughs> solid ones there. The ones that I haven't seen are definitely going to my list. Uh, as you know, I've got Insidious sitting there. So as soon as I've got a bright sunny day um, yeah. and, uh, and a house to myself, I'll, I'll put, it, put it on. Um, and I've got to give Exorcism of Emily Rose a go as well because that's one that I, I haven't gone back to. So. Yeah. Um, excellent. Let's talk a bit more about your movie that's why we're here um i'm I, we did have a rapid fire question around but we are getting short on time and i'd rather promote your art because that's why what we're here to do and i want to give you all the support you can um so indiegogo comp- campaign is live right now it ends uh at the end of october is that right november 1st november 1st beautiful um what do they need to do where do they need to go um, you can go to our Instagram, which is at Scream the Fan Favorite, and uh, it's linked in the profile. Or you can just search us on Indiegogo, type in Scream the Fan Favorite. Um, also on like at least our personals as well. Uh, my Instagram is Dear D E A R Tyler Hansen S E N. It's also linked in my profile, and I believe on Harley's as well. Yeah, mine's at Harley Bronwyn. Also, randomly, Bronwyn is one of the characters in the new Rings of Power movie or show, and that is really exciting to me because people always look at me weird when I say my name is Bronwyn. I'm like, it's a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's it's an, a relatively common name over here um, in Australia. I've known I've known a few Bronwyns in my time. Oh my um, gosh, I need to so. move to Australia. That's Come on down. We've got room, um, but we're very <laughs> distant from from the arts, so you know you might have to give up. But uh, <laughs> the career down here. Um, the script is wonderful. As I said, I've read it before. I haven't read the ending. Um, 
which yeah, Ali was like, look, we can't give you the ending. I'm like, that's fine. Like, I understand that. I don't want to spoil it, but it, it's, it's so lovingly crafted. Um, yeah, whenever you read a script, especially as a writer, um, I've got a writing background myself, you're always a little bit nervous about reading other people's work, but um, it's such a love letter to the franchise. It does this wonderful thing where it's very meta, but very much its own thing as well, where you could very easily just say Sydney Prescott 10 times per page and like hammer it home, but you don't. Um, there are some light references in there from here, there, but it very much is its own thing um, and feels very much in line with what the franchise is as well. Um, I said to Harley, it's unputdownable. I read it like in 20 minutes. Like she sent it, I woke up at 6 a.m. My daughter woke me up um, and I went to go get her out of bed. And she was like, oh, no, I don't want you. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go read a script and you let me know when you want me. And I think in about 20 minutes, I just consumed it. Like I just couldn't stop reading it. Um, so yeah, 6.30 in the morning, I was like, I was like, Harley, I'm done. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we appreciate it. Yeah, so much. There's about 20 pages more that... Oh, wow. Have. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. No, the characters are great. Um, that opening scene, I won't spoil anything, but just the, the transition you do, the, the kind of the reveal, I was like, oh, I like that a lot. That's very, um, very cool. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk about it without spoiling it too much, but I think <laughs> the, the characters are really good. I love all the references. Um, the Dawson reference I now understand. I was like, is that a Dawson's Creek reference? And then when yeah. you said that Daw like Dawson's Creek was shot kind of in North Carolina, I'm like, oh, it definitely is. Um, and it's fun. Like that's what I like about it. It's fun. Like when you do meta and you do phantoms, I think it's very easy to kind of lean into into it too hard or like especially being a film about hollywood and acting and, and movie making you can borderline in being like i remember when i saw your next for the first time i didn't like ty west perform i thought he was really leaning into the film filmmaker thing too much but you guys don't do it at all and it's all about making a movie and i never feel like you're like by the way we're in hollywood like right. it's yeah and, and there's a the reason i like wrote uh chrissy's character as not being in entertainment at all is because I needed that person that could be like, wait, what are you talking about? That way I could also explain it to maybe the audience who wouldn't quite get it. But at the same time, like this is a Scream fan film. I doubt someone who isn't a Scream fan is going to go to YouTube and type in Scream fan film. <laughs> and um, the fandom of Scream, they're cinephiles. Yeah. So I'm very much relying on that, taking a bit of a risk. But um, yeah, that's exactly why I wrote Chrissy in there for, in the off chance that there's someone who watches those and it's like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, she's. I, I won't spoil it, but she. Someone makes a joke about it and refers to it as something at one point. And I was like, that's you're hitting my 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 spot right here. What a great joke! <laughs> oh, I want to know which one. <laughs> oh, it's not really a spoiler, but it, it, someone refers to her as a muggle, and I was like, oh perfect oh. like <laughs> thank you thank you yeah. that's why because uh, i i went to like a conservatory acting school and we would refer to non-performing arts majors as muggles oh great which i mean may have been bad i don't know but that was <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine. That's, that's where the idea for uh for that came in i think if you had called them mudbloods it would have been worse so muggle i think is a safe term <laughs> yeah uh, Excellent. Um, and so you begin shooting in November. Is that the plan? November fifth. Excellent. Fantastic. And do you have, you know, obviously with these things, it's all you know depend on money and time and things. But do you have like an estimated date of finishing? Do you know when you plan to release it? Do you know what the steps are after that, or is it all very early stages still for you? 
Um, well, we are a bit pushed for time because this does fit into the current Scream timeline. So it does have to come out before Scream 6. So <laughs> we're aiming for March 1st. Nice one. Plenty of time. Plenty yeah, of time. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And, uh, and then what's next? Is this, I can't imagine you guys are going to be a one and done group. I feel like there's, there's much more on, on the table beyond this. Are you thinking this is a calling card or is this just, hey, I want to do my fan thing and then I'm going to go and make my, you know, I'm going to be Ari Aster and do my hereditary. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely, definitely because it is so meta. I mean, it's truly just kind of like giving Hollywood IP to show what, you know, we can do. And then from there, like, yeah, I have my own original stuff. Um, I've got another project in development that's um, inspired by a true horror story that happened in my family four generations ago. Um, I did read something about that. I'm like, that's where, where I was like, ah, uh, we'll see if I ask about that one. I don't want to pray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My great, great, great uncle was not a good guy. Um, and so I have, I have it written and uh, that's kind of the next project on my plate, but we'll get to that once post is done for screen. That's my, that's my focus right now. Nice one. Excellent. Um, is there anything else you guys want to add before we, we end the episode? Is there anything that we need to plug that we've missed? I don't, just, you know, that even people sharing our Indiegogo link, if, if they can't contribute, just sharing the link is super helpful for us. And honestly, we're just so grateful. If anyone looks at it at all, it's because for us, it's, we're trying to take control of our own destiny in a lot of ways. And in Hollywood, there's just a lot of waiting around, um, waiting for people to give you opportunities. And we, we just, we're tired of that. And we're like, yeah, we yes. want something for ourselves and create projects. Cause I've also like, you know, I've worked on things where I was like, I don't like this project or I, this isn't something I believe in or like, you know, it's not something I'm super passionate about. And for me, like as an actor and on my journey, like I want my career to be full of projects that I love and like that have a piece of my heart. And um, for us, like we just are so grateful if anyone cares at all, like we're just, it's, it means the world. So um, yeah, like a $5 donation is like, that's, five more dollars that we have to like create something that we love. And so there's no contribution too small. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. More money, more blood. Yes. That's exactly. it. <laughs> um, I, no, that's a, what a great tagline. Go ahead and do it guys. Go look at the page, give it a like, um, share it on your, on your, your socials. Um, as I said, five bucks, um, which is like only slightly different inflation down here in Australia. Like there's only a slight difference in there. I put my money on the table this morning. So like if I can do it, you guys can do it as well. Um, I'm not even going to promote my stuff. We're just going to finish it right there. Um, thank you so much uh, to, to Tyler and Harley. Thank you for coming on. Um, you're more than welcome to come back again anytime you like. Um, you were wonderful. Oh, we, we, we have so many more movies to talk about that aren't yeah. even horror. Yeah. I'm just... Please, we'll yeah. come back anytime the, you want. The film snob family tree has just grown a couple of branches, so you're more than welcome <laughs> um, anytime. Um, that's going to do it for this week's episode of I Was a Teenage Film Snob. Um, I'm not going to promote myself. Go to their Indiegogo. Go to their socials. Check it all out. I'll be promoting it all week. Um, and as I said, guys, I was a teenage film snob, but I'm trying to be better. We'll see you next week.